0: It's uh, Monday and I'm joined on the line to take a look at this by uh, CA, Independent Analyst and Market Commentator, Snesipo, Snesipo good evening to you and welcome.
1: Uh, hi, I
0: uh, How are you doing?
1: I'm,
0: I'm good, good to you. Hey man. We move, we move on, we continue, we continue. Uh, as uh, our people often say. Let's start off here with Leon Shuster and Showmax. Uh, now, multi-choice here, reviewing uh, some of uh, Elon and Shuster's content that is on their platforms uh, for racist content for blackface that I guess he's had uh, for many a decade. Uh, what has changed now? Uh, I think it's just the
1: operating climate um, that we're in right now with the movement that started in the U.S. about Black Lives Matter as well as the, the move towards us being conscientious of the role that media plays in black people's continued negative uh, perception and oppression for comedy. You know, the whole idea, and I think um, what Multitruth has done, it is not something that, I think it's long overdue, And but I don't just look at Multitruth, I look at, this is my pet peeve, black people dancing for washing powder. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like my. And a genuine pet Um, I think it goes a long way. In they've kicked it and The fact that they're actually taking direct action. <laughs> Granted, it's, it's it's very very late, but the fact that we're here now. Now, as a media owners, need to also start reviewing the content.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think yeah. that that that's going to be very important going forward. Uh, and not only just in the world of media, but I mean, many people in, across different industries least of all the one that you mentioned, which is the sort of advertising and uh, copywriting industry and the impact they have had um, in, I guess, entrenching this idea that uh, it's okay to represent black people uh, in very uncompromising and distasteful ways uh, on our screens and uh, on our radios. And I think it's perfect opportunity now to um, take this fight into where it matters most. And uh, let's maybe shift our attention now to Telcom. Now, they've suspended their dividend, hoping to also uh, release uh, uh, some cash uh, through, uh, I guess, a sale or leasing of some of their towers. But um, I want us to first maybe take a look at uh, that fixed voice revenue. I mean, one of the sort of higher margin businesses in the stable, and uh, uh, they saw a 22% decline in revenue for that business. What does that mean for Telcom going forward? And I guess on the back of some of the retrenchments we've seen, uh, the workforce component as well um,
1: it's, it's, a no, it's no secret that uh, the fixed line business of Telcom has been on a downward spiral for the past three to four years as consumers have moved to more of the mobile towards mobile platforms and more and have moved away from fixed line I think it's just it's one of those things and that's part of the reason why they're um they have conducted a retrenchment specifically towards those specific divisions, mm. is that this is something that has been in the world and it's been happening. So unfortunately, we live in a mobile world where we always want to communicate anywhere and everywhere. So we don't want to be tied to our homes. And I think when I think about my own experience, I think my parents are the only ones that still have a Calcom fixed line. I think they're the only ones. I don't know anyone I must say
0: they are not in growing company. I think uh, every single day, but Bayabibam, mm. Baluabandu have the uh, you know fixed line in their homes or even in their businesses.
1: I think that's where we're moving towards. I think it's, it's, it's just one of those things where the migration has been happening many years and it's just been, it's one of those where, where every year we need to see this number is going to come down, come oh, yeah. down until the business unit no longer exists.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's shift our attention, uh, and I guess maybe just before I we, we let Telecom go, uh, talk to me about some of their CapEx. I mean, they, they uh, I guess, had a, a very strong showing for their mobile revenue business and fibre-to-the-home businesses, uh, and they're suggesting that this is on the back of consistent investments they've made uh, and capital spending on their, uh, I guess, network infrastructure there. Talk to me about, um, I guess, how that is going to stand them. Uh, we know the Spectrum auction is, is mooted uh, for the next few months or so. Uh, uh, what will all of this mean? Um, so um,
1: they've invested heavily. So Telcom, unfortunately, because they can't go to shareholders because government doesn't have the money, has been borrowing quite heavily to finance some of their capex and investment into their mobile network. And you can even see that it's actually yielding results. You can actually see it's yielding results. Telcom has grown, specifically the mobile numbers have grown to exceed and even Celsius, who has been in the game longer than Telcom. So the investment is yielding dividends as well. Um, and they've been borrowing quite heavily to, um, to, to finance that capex and to counteract that, they've been looking at disposing some of their non-core assets, namely their towers business, as well as, uh, their property because Telcom does own a very significant property portfolio. Mm. Mm. So they they they're they're they looking to um de gear their balance sheet a bit and also just give themselves the best possible position um to um to participate in the spectrum auction. Mm. I personally you know how I feel about the spectrum auction. I personally don't approve of this as the auction is the best yeah.
0: mechanism. Uh, we know you are you are a, a big supporter of the world.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: No. So so let's pause no. there. Let's pause there for a second, nessipo uh, And I think uh, it would be great to have you and uh, some of the people from the telco industry and maybe PBICT to to have us debate and bring closer to our people this idea of the the wireless open access network, uh, which I think mm-hmm. is going to be a critical measure uh, that um, drives uh, access towards connectivity or not. Uh, we'll continue on the other side of this brief break with Snesipo Maninjwa. It's our business wrap. Seven minutes it is uh, before 8 p.m. You tuned into Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. And uh, it's our wrap of the top business stories at the start of this new week. And I'm joined by Snesipo Maninjwa uh, to take a look at some of these stories. Now, Snesipo, uh, one of the other stories I wanted us to take a look at is um, one of the creditors at Edcon. Now, everybody knows the context of Edcon. Uh, and uh, these are the guys that bring you Jet, uh, Edgar's, and uh, of course historically many other stores. They had CNA in their stable as well, and uh, they have uh, come on some uh, troubled times and uh, business rescue process. Now, uh, seemingly, I guess an attempt put in place here to halt it, and uh, we understand the court later struck this off the roll uh, earlier on this morning. But what was happening here, and why uh, did Clema- I don't know how to pronounce it, Clematis, and Kingsgate uh, two creditors here. Uh, uh, around f- just over 40 million rand owed to them uh, by Edcon. Uh, maybe let's start off here. This 40 million, in the bigger scheme of all of the debt uh, that uh, Edcon owes to its creditors, how much is that uh, as a proportion of everything else?
1: So, if you look at, um, so Edcon published their uh, the draft of their business rescue plan, which was approved actually just a couple minutes ago. Mm. So the issue is um, the issue, the story of the concurrent creditors. So, in terms of business rescue, you have what you would call secured creditors. Yes. And within secured creditors is those creditors who are secure in terms of have got security. And it also includes staff and the tax man. Those that. Then afterwards, you have what you call concurrent creditors. The issue is the guys at Durban is that they, they represent a large part of EDCON's debt, but not the majority. So, because you know you need about 75% of the creditors to vote on the plan, they didn't have, um, the concurrent creditors don't make up that significant portion enough for them to vote against the plan. The issue is the settlement. Initially, when the initial initial discussions came, the idea that they were going to get 50 cents to the rand, uh, all concurrent creditors were going to get 50 cents to the rand. When the business rescue plan was eventually published, the draft one, there, it, was, it was later revised to five cents to the rand. Mm. What this means is that out of the 40 million rand that is due, they would be looking at getting 2 million rand. Now, these are ethnic and this is one of the things that, that's one of the most catastrophic aspect of when a large entity goes into liquidation or business rescue is the ripple effect that it has on the small guys. How many small businesses can absorb a 95% loss on a single creditor? Hmm. That is the issue. So they went into court today. Unfortunately, the application was dismissed. I did check. But it it just gives you the understanding of the ripple effect. So Mm. When people talk about the direct jobs and the the 2,000 direct jobs within EDCON itself as the business entity. They don't also talk about the the supply chain that dynamics and the ripple effect that it has on small, medium enterprises. Mm, mm. Now, one of the things that is very, 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 very concerning with the whole EDCON business review stuff, the manner in which it's been conducted has been quite, um, I have to say, the guys have been quite... Um, um, if yeah. I, if I to so,
0: so, so, I mean, here's the other question that I have. So, so, Kingsgate, which uh, is a sort of a clothing textiles manufacturer, I understand, um, has said, you know, if if they knew they were going to get four cents in every rand, it, it would have probably been in their interest to convert their debt into equity. Um, so, so, maybe two questions on that front. One is that option still open to them, and two, uh, if so, what what implications would that have for, I guess, their ability to recover some of the money owed to them?
1: And the reason why they said equity is because I think that's the only option. Because remember, part of the business rescue plan is that I understand there's been some interest not confirmed with entities looking to buy Edcon. Because within Edcon itself, there are are some business units within the entity that are actually quite profitable. The whole Edcon group is not profitable, consolidated. But you know, you you always have these little gems James. So I think for them, they were like, okay, we, you might need to take a loss now, but in in some of the parts, they might recover later. But it's sort of like better than nothing. But Mm. the issue is, it's also how our insolvency law, business rescue and companies act is the way it's written. It does not favor concurrent creditors. And also, part of the reason being is that um, since I used to work as a debt collector, when you put a entity in business with you, you as a creditor can't put the company back into liquidation. Uh, uh. So it's sort of like you're sort of backed into a corner um, and, and, and you sort of like have to, you're sort of backed into a corner, especially if you're an unsecured um, creditor. Yeah. Which yeah. is where the concurrent creditors are sitting in the pool, and you sort of like have to, you have to sort of like see exactly what you're going to do. Your options are limited, and mm. you'd probably find um, part of the reasons why. Remember, itcon was one of the few retailers in SA that produced locally. Not everything locally, sure. but not everything, because no one does everything. Yeah. But they do form part of the textiles. They do the textile industry in SA does rely on the entity. Mm. So. There's going to be other... the other, Spillover. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: I can imagine if, if Kingsgate w- would even go to court for this, I mean, one of the things they said in their papers was that it's in their interest to still have uh, uh, an entity like this in operation, not only because they owe the money, but, I mean, this is one of their biggest uh, customers in, in sort of the, the truest sense of the word. And so if they were to lose a customer of that size, uh, we might also see some sort of knock-on retrenchments and layoffs uh, down the line as well.
1: Yes, I think that is sort of where we're going towards, is that uh, they fundamentally understand. And remember, their debt is, that is not a debt that was incurred over one year. Yes, This yes. is, a, if you're looking at debtors' day term, probably in order for three
0: months. Oh. Sure. Let's leave it there. So I'm always a pleasure catching up with you. And uh, yeah, we'll have to leave it there on that sobering and somber note of uh, looming potential retrenchments in the textile sector. Snesipo Maninjwa is uh, an independent market commentator, analyst, and chartered accountant. And uh, just thinking about that, I mean, you know, the textile sector uh, alongside, you know, um, sectors like tourism, construction, and others, probably one of the most labor-intensive of uh, our industries and uh, probably, uh, if not, uh, probably the most labor-intensive secondary industry in our country. And I think it's going to be a very sad day when the real repercussions of the closure of Edcon or even, I guess, uh, the downsizing of whatever it is, is going to be able to sell, uh, the implications that that is going to have on many working people, and in particular, I guess, uh, many women who work in uh, uh, sectors that feed into Edcon's supply chain in places like Newcastle and uh, Salt River, out there in the Western Cape. We continue with the second phase of our business wrap in the next few minutes or so. I'm going to be joined by the head of the uh, Investment and Infrastructure Unit in the Presidency. Uh, that is uh, uh, Dr. Josie Sora Ramukhopa. And we're going to be talking to him about 272 projects that have been planned, prepared and packaged. Uh, these are infrastructure projects that I'm talking about. And uh, some of them could be coming to a community close to where you are.